Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. What's my story? In 2007, I was divorced, in debt, stuck in a soul-sucking job, desperate to have a meaningful, fulfilling life, but not sure where to begin. I made a simple choice at the time, to start honoring my yes and to start speaking my no. Consequences be damned. After all, how could my life possibly get any worse? I began the long path of becoming a professional songwriter, finding my fearless voice along the way. Now, I'm living my dream life as a husband, father, and professional storyteller. Growing up in the desert of Riyadh, Maram Taiba found escape and magic within the pages of children's fantasy books. As an adult, her day job is screenwriting, and to cope with the sometimes desert that's adulting, she finds herself returning to her first love, writing children's fantasy. Learn more about Maram and her insights on writing children's books, and how that process differs from writing for film and TV. Maram Taiba, welcome to the Fearless Storyteller podcast. Hi, Ethan. Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah, my pleasure. And for people who may not know who you are, what would you like to say about yourself? Well, I'm a children's fantasy and steampunk author. I wrote a book called Weather Knows. It's this quirky little thing that I wrote back in when I, but back when I was in college. And I recently sent it out into the world last August. <laughs> yeah. And what was going through your mind when you sent it out into the world? Well, I had reached a point in my life where I had dabbled with so many different creative paths. And then when I was down, I was like, you know what? I just want to do what I always wanted to do when I was 11 years old. I just wanted to, I just want to write fantasy for children. And, um, and I realized that I really missed these characters. And, and I, I, I had so much fun writing this book, uh, back then and i just wanted to go back to that world i, I was done i was done with adulting <laughs> You're done with adulting oh come on it, it never ends i know yeah I, <laughs> list never ends i feel the same way about adulting uh, a lot of the time uh, I, I have a son who's 19 years old and i i tell him that i'm younger than he is at this point <laughs> Well, um, I mean, it's it's way more fun this way. And I think that eventually we all, you know, just find our way back somehow. Yeah. And where are you finding your way back to? Um, I'm just finding my way back to that space where I completely allow myself to revel in my fantasy worlds and and to make that to put that at the front of my mind you know um because for the past few years after i graduated from from college i uh like i said i did the whole adulting thing where you where you pick the most practical most um you know money making whatever it is 
so that you can be a fully functioning adult. But then I realized that I was just burying the thing that I feel I was meant to do. Mm. And here I am. Mm. And so what is it about writing in particular that, that draws you? Hmm. I've, I've been writing ever since I was very little. Um, the conscious decision to work towards being an author came when I was about 11 years old. Um, but I, it just, it's, it came to me naturally because I was reading a lot when I was a, when I was a kid and I, um, I was fascinated by what writers were able to create, how real those people were, those characters. And I just wanted, I wanted to give back. Like I wanted to be part of that, that group, that club, you know, mm. I wanted to create something and put it back into the world. Mm. And what, what were some of your inspirations? Were there, was there anything in particular? Um, you mean like authors? Yeah. Or stories or, yeah. yeah I, uh, I read a lot of, um, classics. I started with the classics. I read the Charles Dickenses and the Jules Burns and the, Louisa May Alcott. Um, and then I started to, you know, find my own way into fantasy. I started reading Lloyd Alexander, uh, Patricia Reed. She wrote the Enchanted Forest uh, Chronicles. Mm. I'm not sure that a lot of people know about this series. It's, it's so delightful. It's super delightful. It's funny. It's about a princess who doesn't want to behave and runs away and uh, gets herself kidnapped by a dragon on purpose. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I love those stories growing up. And um, I don't know, it's just, I, I soon began to find my own voice. I obviously borrowed from authors at the beginning, but then I started to find my way into my own way of expression. Right. And so in your bio, you mentioned kind of escape. And, and boredom and I was hoping you'd talk a little bit about that <laughs> um well ever since I was a child I have not been you know I didn't I never made friends with the desert I grew up in the desert um Riyadh is a desert city it's 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 arid it's dry and uh at the time when I was a child um the general kind of in climate or mood of the country was, it always came off to me as, as gloomy. Mm. Um, and I, and I, I, I think I sensed it in an instinctive way, but I was never able to kind of voice it or find words for it. It's only in retrospect that I am able to, to put it in these words. Mm. Um, but yeah, I did, I did uh, find myself starved for, for magic, for beautiful things, for, you know, interesting characters and things that are outside of the, the normal daily life. And that's why I, you know, books were sanctuaries for me. That's why I got lost in them so often. Mm. And, and was, how did you come to have access to like books or stories? Did you have a reader in your family or a place to go? My mother. My yeah. mother was the one who got me started reading. I remember the first time 
she, we were on a holiday in the United States and uh, we were in Los Angeles. And I remember her taking me to the bookstore for the first time and helping me pick out books. And she picked out the classics for me. I picked, I know I picked a couple of those contemporary Sweet Valley books. Mm -hmm. um, but then she, she supplemented that with the classics that she knew were important for, you know, children to read and, you know, to get introduced into the world of literature. I started with Oliver Twist and I remember my heart breaking and I was crying the whole time reading it. Mm. Uh, and then I was hooked, you know, I just, I kept looking for more of this person called Charles Dickens, this genius. <laughs> yeah. And what was it about Oliver Twist that you related to? Do you remember? Well, you know, as children, um, we tend, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I can generalize, but I at least was a sucker for all those stories about children who didn't have parents. Mm. Um, you know, as a child, your parents are the most important thing. They are your lifeline, right? Yeah. So I couldn't imagine a child not having parents and, and suffering so much because of it. Mm. And uh, also there were a lot of, you know, in Saudi Arabia, we had a lot of, uh, we were exposed to Japanese anime that was dubbed in Arabic. <laughs> a lot of it was about children who didn't have parents and they were so such tragic stories and I was a sucker for those. <laughs> so you write children's books and children's fantasy so there's obviously something about that that still calls to you. Um, hmm, that's an interesting question. I, I think I was so captivated by fantasy worlds when I was a child and I'm always looking for you know the whimsical the magical the out of the ordinary um it's it's just always had an appeal for me and I think it comes mostly out of gratitude because I was so grateful to have been introduced to all of those books I was so grateful for all of those characters that I loved. It was such a beautiful experience for me growing up. And um, being able to give that back to children would be the most fulfilling thing for me. Mm. Do you feel like uh, having put the story out in the world um, that you're getting some of that? Are you able to get some feedback or... Well, I will tell you one thing. I, I did an online book reading of Weathernose, um, which I sometimes do uh, for people who are uh, on my newsletter. Um, and one of the people who showed up was an eight-year-old girl. And she was, you know, she was the perfect reader. She was the perfect, perfect reader. She laughed at the right time. She loved the same scenes that I loved. Um, she wanted to get to know uh, Cyprus, who is the uh, who is one of the characters in the book. She's a child prodigy. She's ten years old, and she has invented a machine that can predict the weather. And this little girl who was listening to me read was she saw herself in this character. And I can tell you, there was nothing more, you know heartwarming than that for an author to just to watch it happen to watch it happen on a child's face as you're reading to them yeah that's it's not an opportunity that you just have unless you create it and so you, now you're not just 
telling children's fantasy stories though. Um, I noticed you, you are a filmmaker as well. And yes. those are perhaps. Yeah. That came from, that came from my dabbling in different creative paths. Uh, I did do uh, a master's degree in film production and I did make a couple of short films. I still, um, I'm still a screenwriter. I'm currently writing a TV show for a, um, um, a production company in the Middle East. It's a big production company in Dubai. And um, so I'm, I still do that. Um, it's, it's kind of my profession. Mm. Um, I still enjoy screenwriting. I, 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 I'm, I'm leaning more towards writing right now more than filmmaking, like more than like being on the set and directing actors. Um, I am, you know, there's this, culmination of experience that is leading me towards what I've always wanted to do, which is to write. And that includes screenwriting for me right now. Mm. So it is. And I, I yeah. did, uh, had a travel blog a couple, a couple years ago. Um, I was, I was, you know, just embarking on my own like spiritual awakening, my own spiritual journey. And part of that or largely, uh, a large part of that was uh, me traveling to different parts of the world and experiencing different spiritual paths and like meeting different people and just writing it all down and, and, and noticing my own unfolding um, in those experiences and writing it all down. Mm. That, yeah. So that went on for a while. Uh, the blog is still up. Uh, I just don't write uh, in it as often right now because I'm yeah. focusing. I feel like I've, I've kind of gotten more and more specific over the years about what it is that I want to dedicate my life to. I'm curious how that might show itself in the characters and the stories that you write versus before you kind of had that awakening. Um, that's a really interesting uh, thing to think about. I think that a lot of the transformation that I've been going through in the past few years has shown up more so in the, uh, the fantasy novel that I recently finished. So um, I've been writing a fantasy novel. Um, sorry about that. Mm -hmm. I've been writing. I've been writing a fantasy novel for the past couple of years, and I recently finished it, polished it. Uh, it's not public. But published yet so uh, it's nothing anyone will recognize but I feel that a lot of um, this this work I feel has been the sort of culmination of everything for me not just for the transformation that I went through in the past few years but also my experiences as a child um, a lot of it kind of snuck into the story um, so I would feel like Weather Knows or the Cerulean Universe, which is the world that the story is set in, is, is this just, it's this fun place that I go to, 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 to just enjoy the interactions with the characters and the possibilities and the imagination. Um, but I feel like this new work that I'm just now finishing, it feels like more of a representation of who I am. Mm -hmm. uh, than weather knows. And why is Although, that? No, it is all me. Like I would argue that it is all me in some mm -hmm. way. It's just another aspect of me that is, you know, 
playful and lighthearted and kind of disconnected from all of the experiences slash struggles, thrusts, slash transformations that I've been through. Do you feel like you're showing more of yourself? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Um, I wrote Weather Knows when I was, what, 23? I was in college and um, I hadn't, you know, I was just, it, it was the space where I was just allowing myself to have fun and nothing else, right? And, and I wasn't in a space where I was observing my own, you know, internal struggles or whatever. Um, I'm sure that, you know, some of me or some of my essence as a writer, you know, crept into the story. Um, but if that happened, it wasn't intentional. Whereas with the work that I do now or this novel that I recently finished, it feels like there was a strong intention to express that. Um, so that's the distinction that I would make between uh, my current work and uh, the Cerulean universe. Right. And in the, in the more job-oriented screenwriting for the production company, do you, do you notice a shift in terms of how you connect with your writing? It really depends on the project when it comes to screenwriting because very often it's the producer's idea and they just want you to write the story. Mm. Uh, so I can't say that a lot of my essence goes into it. Um, it does, of course, because I'm the one writing it and I do write it from my own point of view, but I don't have as much liberty to to put myself into it as much as I would in my own work or a screenplay that, you know, um, that I vibe with or that I, that I'm so inspired by. Sometimes mm. you just you take jobs because they are jobs, right? Yeah. Um, well, I don't have a lot of guests who do, do like screenwriting as a gig and may, maybe for people who are more, don't have a lot of insight into that world. Like how does that work? Like how do you collaborate on an idea where you're getting paid and somebody else holds the vision? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to use this project that I'm working on as an example. So the producer who contacted me was someone that I've known for a long time and she knows me. She knows how I write. She knows, you know, my style and my sense of humor. Hmm. And she contacted me with this idea and she was like, this is, this is an idea that we've been wanting to work on. And I think you're the perfect person to write it because I've seen your, your work. She's seen something that I've written that was original, that was close to my heart. So she knows, she knows my authentic writing, right? Mm -hmm. So she's like, I think that you'd be the perfect person to write this. Are you interested? And I, I looked at it. it. It was an interesting story, not necessarily something that I would, that would come out of me as an original piece. Like it's not something that I would think of to write. Mm. But I was interested, I was intrigued by the storyline. And there's this, but there's also the, the fact that I, I wanted a gig. Like, I, I, I think this is a job. So um, I said yes, and uh, she gave me free reign to come up with um, the characters in the story, uh, you know, the episodes, and it's a TV show, um, the episodes and how everything goes. Um, and 
she read it, she liked it. And now we're waiting to get feedback from her higher ups. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So we are going to still have to apply the feedback that they come, come to us with. Right. So it's not, it's not entirely my own, you know, my own, um, ideation or my own, you know, how I would like the story to go. I still have to, you know, think about, um, what those people want Mm. because Angry. Yeah, and I imagine in that case you have more of a deadline, and it's not like a... yeah, and it's a back and forth process. Like, um, I, I I believe that even when it gets to the point where I actually start writing the episodes, they will still be giving me feedback, and I I need to be open to that. Sometimes it's really hard because you're pushing for something, and then they push back, and it's it's just a game that you need to you know get get skilled at playing. Right. Okay. And so, so you haven't written the episodes yet. And so like, how does that work then? Have you written like a treatment and like summaries of how the story arc goes? And So um, for those of you who are interested, if you're writing a, if you're writing a TV series, you uh, will most likely be required to write an initial like short treatment just to pitch with. And then after that, you will be asked to write a Bible for the show. And the Bible is basically just information about all of the characters, information about how all the episodes are expected to be, you know, just like summaries of every episode mm-hmm. um, in detail. Um, things about the world that you're creating. So it's like a reference. You go back to it. And uh, it just gives the producers uh, an even bigger or clearer idea of what you're creating before you start creating it. So if they approve the episodes, if they approve, you know, all these characters that you put in there, they like it, you go ahead and you start writing the episodes. Right. Now, sometimes you write alone, but very often in TV, uh, it's a writing writer's room where there's a group of writers together in one room and everyone is coming up with the ideas together. And then um, some of the senior writers are given the task of actually putting down into words. Mm. And do you like that collaborative process? I was, I was dead against it at first. Uh, but a couple of years ago I was invited into a program where we were, um, where we had that experience, uh, of a writer's room. I shadowed, um, life in pieces. I don't know if you've seen the show. Mm-mm. I, ended one of the writer's room sessions or a couple of the writer's room sessions. It was really interesting to watch how writers work together. It's just really a fun, it's long, it's hours long, but it's just a fun process of just throwing ideas around and everybody works in synchronous, you know, synchronously. Mm. And I guess when, when it's not your idea, maybe you're not so married to it that like maybe I don't know, that loss of control would be a little easier to deal with. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so how do you like, so you've got the um, kind of the, the initial treatment and it sounds like the story Bible for this latest example you're talking about. And like, how do you know you have enough to make the story turn? Um, a lot of it is, discovery it's a process of discovery so i have it like a a nuts and bolts kind of skeleton framework that i can work with but very often a lot of it changes on the way um but you just need to have something that is convincing for producers so that they 
they can follow your vision and, 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 you know, see where you're headed. Mm -hmm. Um, Make changes. If you decide to make changes along the way, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that you, everybody needs to be on board. Right. And do you like, do like write a little mini pilot episode or anything to test it out for yourself? Uh, Yes. Yes. Uh, Not for myself, but you know, in this project, I was asked to, uh, after the treatment, to write a Bible and the pilot so that the producers could see, okay, so, well, what does it look like? Here you go. This is the pilot episode. Do you like it? Should we keep going? So getting kind of into the intersection between writing books and screenwriting, um, what feels the same and what feels different Mm. about about those forms of storytelling? My initial response would be to say that they are very different. The experience is, is, is vastly different because when you're writing a screenplay, um, you are, first of all, writing in visual language. You're not using too many words because you have to consider that in a screenplay, um, it's a minute a page, right? So every Mm -hmm. page, screenwriting every page of in a screenplay represents one minute of film so you are almost writing the story in real time you're, you're writing it like you're watching a film um, so if you're writing a feature play for example feature screenplay for example it would be between 90 to 120 pages because if a feature film is between 90 to 120 minutes mm-hmm. um, and, and when you're in that dynamic, you are telling the story much more quickly than you are telling it in a, in a fictional book. Um, you, there's a lot of prose that you cut out and, and it's really just get to the action, get to the action, get, get to the action. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's just, a, it's a very different format. Right. Um, whereas when you're writing a fiction, piece of fiction, it's, it's a more sort of meditative immersive experience where you live with the character for a long time i've been living with my characters for my fantasy book for the past two years um it's it's a it's a larger undertaking i would say um and 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 i think in, in my experience it has required more of me than a screenplay ever has I like how you say you you live with the characters, like it's immersive for you as the author. You're talking about the reader experience there. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking about the the experience of the audience as you were kind of contrasting the two forms, right? Because I think it's immersive also reading a book, right? In terms of you get close to the character and forge that. Yeah. Yeah, and think about it this way. When you're watching a film, it's two hours and you're done. You've had that experience for only two hours. Um, it is poignant. It is, you know, it is intense. Uh, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's any less than the experience of reading a book, but I'm just saying that it's a two-hour experience, no matter how intense it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a book, you're living with the character for maybe, you know, depends on how fast you're reading, but it could be a week, it could be a couple weeks. And you're you just and it kind of the residue of it stays with you because you're you're wondering what's going to happen in the next chapter after you put your book down and you keep thinking about it you know as you're doing your chores or whatever and then you pick up the book again so there's that 
there's also that time in between chapters when, when it's still living with you. Mm. Since you don't have that benefit when you're like in screenplay land, how do you forge that connection with the audience, like make the characters relevant and resonant? Absolutely. That's a good question. You have to think about when you're writing a screenplay, you have to consider that you're not the only one telling the story. So, but you as a screenwriter, you're the first stop, right? So it is Mm -hmm. on you to tell an absolutely wonderful, powerful story. That's your job. And then after that, it's, there's the director, there's the editor, there's the cinematographer, there's how the actor brings in, you know, gives life to the characters that you've written. So it's a wholly collaborative experience. It's a wholly collaborative work. It's mm. not really just up to the screenwriter to, to tell a good story. Like I could write the best screenplay there is, but if the director, um, you know, doesn't, is not clear about their vision and the actors are not, performing well and you know cinematography is eh. so the story is not going to come to life as it should have was in its full potential do you have like kind of an example or reference point of maybe like a visual work like a, a cinematic work that really for you is kind of the north star hmm. the fall have you ever seen the fall tell me more about it uh, it's this film that came out in 2005 or 2006, I'm not sure. It was directed by Tarsem Singh. He's, uh, I believe he is probably Indian-American, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But that's my, that's my assumption. Um, he made this film, he shot it in 22 countries, and it's a sort of, it's one of those films. I don't. I don't know what genre I would put it in, but it's one of those films. Have you seen *Pan's Labyrinth*? Mm-hmm. It's one of those films that you know juxtaposes a fantastical reality with a with a with a real stark and harsh reality. Mm-hmm. So as to kind of help a child maybe make sense of uh, their own pain or or whatever it is they're going on going through in their life. And the story is about. Uh, let's see if I can tell it well. <laughs> the story is about uh, an infirmary in Los Angeles where, in the 1920s, where a stunt actor uh, is is being kept to because he's had like full body injuries, um, and he and in the infirmary he meets a little girl, an Albanian girl who broke her arm working, uh, you know, because of child labor. She was working to pick. Uh, fruits in an orchard uh Mm -hmm. so they the two of them meet and he starts to tell her this beautiful fantastical story that he kind of uh improvises based on both of what they're seeing and experiencing in the infirmary and then they're kind of their own internal worlds sort of come to life in that fantasy um and then you know, it's it's just this process of both of them dealing with their own pain. Mm-hmm. It's so so beautiful and and just very the the visuals are delicious to look at, um, and the storytelling is brilliant. The actors Lee Pace was the lead character, and mm-hmm. the girl that they found to play the Albanian girl was phenomenal. I don't know how he found her; she was brilliant. 
Anyway, so this is a, this is the kind of the, the film that I've, if I were given free range to write a screenplay um, that is all me, it would be very much inspired by this film. Mm. And you're not sure what genre it is, which is um, maybe not interesting or. No, it's, I mean, I could look it up, but I would say it's dark fantasy maybe. Hmm. Um, but it's not, it's not, I don't know. It's very playful, very whimsical, but there is a dark side to it. How do you think about genre when you're writing? Steampunk, for example, is a genre that I didn't know was a genre. That's, that's you know, one thing I can share with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was Heather Knows in college, I, I knew it was steampunk. Like, it had the aesthetic. It had the essence and the, like, the... The um, uh, it had the 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 right experience of a steampunk book. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that it, that that this was called steampunk. I didn't know that this was there was a word for it. Um, it was just the way this world appeared to me, and I loved it, and I thought it was brilliant. Mm. But then, <laughs> but then. Um, Years later, when I was in grad school, I discovered that there is such a thing called steampunk, and there's a word for it. I can actually give it, I can actually express it with a word. And I was, uh, I was blown away by that. I started to get obsessed with it and, and research it more and more. Um, yeah. Hmm. And so, like, I know that steampunk, there's a, there's a very much a visual aesthetic to it and even a fashion but what's like beneath that what's kind of the emotional resonance or some of those keywords that it brings up for you in terms of maybe what it makes you feel hmm. i i was always drawn to uh now weather knows is not set in a victorian england kind of setting per se mm-hmm. you know the 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 australian universe is set in a place that that borrows from that from Victorian, but it's it's also kind of tropical mediterranean that's the terrain you know that's 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 where the story is set mm-hmm. um so i wouldn't say that it strictly follows the victorian england aesthetic it borrows from it however uh growing up i've always been fascinated by victorian england whether that's in you know in film or in classical um, novels, and if anyone asked me which era I would want to live in, it would have been Victorian England. Hmm. Um, uh, and 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 I also like when two opposite things come together and create a third. So that's what steampunk did for me. It's like sweet and salty. Like when you eat something that's sweet and salty, like salted caramel. There's a there's mm-hmm. a there's a there's a provocative. Um, edge to it right so Mm. when you bring victorian england with like you know technology and and inventions and like things that are mechanical that are almost like the things that we use nowadays you bring those two together you you smush them together it makes a you know truly fantastic third Uh, so so steampunk is salted caramel basically <laughs> that would explain the uh the yeah. popular response. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> cool. So what's next for you? What are you pushing toward or where are you growing into and excited about? Yeah, I'm actually writing the sequel to Weather Knows right now. Uh, still in the very beginning of it. So if anyone's read the book and if anyone's excited for the sequel, I would say hold on to your horses just a little bit. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I'm also, um, looking forward to getting my current fantasy novel. And this one's a fantasy fantasy. Like it's not steampunk. It's your, your traditional romance fan. Not ro I don't mean romance as in like a romantic relationship. I mean, as in, um, the type of storytelling, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, uh, it's your, you know, your Harry Potter, your Narnia that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's some wonderment to all that and excitement. Wonderment. I love this word, yes. Wonder. Yeah, yeah. A lot of wonder in this one. Discovering something new, perhaps. Absolutely. Yeah, and... That's what I'm excited about. Um, it's, it, this piece really means a lot to me, and uh, yeah, I hope I, I push it out into the world soon. Hmm. And for people who want to know more about you, how can they find you? Uh, you can go to www.maram, and that's M-A-R-A-M dash Taiba, that's T-A-I-B-A-H dot com. And I'm also on Instagram, maram dot Taiba dot author. Great. Well, Maram, it's been a pleasure having you on The Fearless Storyteller. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been a really interesting conversation. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover The Fearless Storyteller podcast.